<clears throat> Welcome to the Honda Hacker Podcast. This is the end of June, and this is my fourth one for the month. So I packed in once a week for the whole entire month in one week. So it's been pretty awesome. Um, tonight, we have a really awesome guest. Um, I'm not going to <clears throat> steal his thunder. Uh, I'll let him introduce himself after we talk about the news. But he is the face and voice behind the Barcode Podcast, which I'm really excited to talk to him about. So anyways, news really quick. Um, working on a couple of speaking engagements. Uh, working on another uh, guest for the show mid-July. I'm working with this PR firm. Um, which should be pretty interesting. He's a retired uh, Navy um, officer uh, that did some crazy stuff in the military. So we'll dive into him later next month. Really looking forward to that. Uh, other than that, not a ton of news. Um, one big piece of news for Hackers for Vets, we got our first donation this week. Um, a large donation. I won't disclose who it was yet because they're putting together a whole PR thing. Uh, about the release and about the donation. So Hackers for Vets is a real thing, and we now have money to start giving back. Um, so I'll be opening up submissions for potential candidates for the awards really soon, um, just so you know, and, and you have a heads up. In order to qualify for uh, the awards, you have to be an honorably discharged veteran. A years of service doesn't matter. Um, and you have to provide a DD-214 for proof verification. And of course, you can black out all of your DD-214 except for the name, date, and honorable discharge. Other than that, write a letter. Let me know why you deserve to, to have the award to help you get into cyber and kind of what you did in the military. And I'll put all this together, review them, pick the one, boom, we have our first award. So I'm really jazzed about that. Okay, so without further ado, and I won't waste any more time, um, tonight we have Chris Glavin on, who is the barcode voice. Um, and I'm really excited because I was looking through the podcast and I was looking at some of the uh, guests that you had and some of the guests have been really phenomenal. Uh, I think we have a couple guests in common, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really anxious to hear your story. So Chris, why don't you take it away? Tell us about yourself and bro. Thanks a lot for being here. It means a lot. Nah, man. Thank you. The haunted hacker, man. I made it. I made it. I officially made it. Um, no, thanks for having me on. It's uh, it's an honor to be on the show, man. I'm a big fan of your show as well. Um, and it's crazy because not too many people hear my story. I'm, I'm normally on the other side and I'm talking to, to people who have these amazing, phenomenal stories. And, and I don't get to talk about mine too much. Um, and, it, and it may be because mine is not as dramatic as theirs, but I'll, I'll tell it to you anyway. Absolutely. Um, so I came up through IT. Um, mm -hmm. You know, growing up, I was always into tech. tech. Tech was always a part of my life and what I enjoyed doing. Um, and I think that professionally, I decided to go in that direction in the late 90s. Um, I was a warehouse worker at the time, um, and I had my first kid. And I was like, man, I, I, can't, I can't support my kid making minimum wage, um, you know, my apartment at the time was like 400 bucks a month plus food, plus my phone bill. And I was like, this is not going to cut it. So um, I think I looked in the newspaper and, um, and this small local cable company was hiring and they were hiring for tech support. And I was like, you know what? That sounds cool. And yeah, <laughs> well, at the time I didn't know, I was like, man, let me go check it out because I wanted to get, I know I wanted to get into a, a big firm and someone, some, some firm that was established because I needed that job stability. Right. <clears throat> so I went in and I interviewed and the position was for tech support. And I think it paid 1150 to an hour. And I was like, shit, I made it. And I got that <laughs> job. I was like, I'm done. This is it. Um, and, uh, you know, plus free cable, half off pay-per-view, like bonus, bonus. Yeah. Forget you. I, I think I like, I didn't, I don't think I went back to the warehouse. I just said, look, I'm not coming in anymore. Let's go. <laughs> and, um, so I was doing tech support. I was, I was supporting, um, the internet service, which has just rolled out. Um, I was supporting digital cable boxes, which just rolled out. 
Mm-hmm. So it was on the technical side, but it was a new technology for me. So it really, um, it really put me on the front line of cutting edge technology. And Comcast ended up acquiring this company about a year later. So when they came in, you know, things really accelerated. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really got exposed to a lot of different technology at that time. Um, and it's ironic because I was also learning at the time, you know, how to hack these cable boxes you know, how, how, you know, text would show me how to get, uh, how to hack the filters, the hardware filters on the pole outside to get free HBO. And um, it's ironic because this was long before my security career kicked off. Oh yeah. So now I think about back at, I was like, man, was that, was that the seed that planted my, my interest? I don't know. Um, (laughs) But I really enjoyed the, the technology piece. I enjoyed the troubleshooting um, and just, getting into the unknown and helping people fix problems. And I think that was my passion then. Um, so I stayed with it, but I, I eventually morphed more into the, the IT space. So from that, I, I ended up doing help desk work. I did desktop support work, software support work for a startup software company. Um, yeah, that was, that was crazy. But they did have a, a beer fridge, which was the first time I had a beer fridge at, at work. True bonus. And you're like, I made it. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, I really made it. Because <laughs> you couldn't do that back then unless you were a startup. You can get away with it. Yep. And yeah. this may have been like, you know, 2006 or seven at that point. Um, but then, you know, I was I was getting introduced to different technologies. Like at that, so- that software startup company, everything was be- built on Gen 2 Linux. Oh, which nice. I've never even... touched Linux before. And to be able to start building servers off Gen 2 Linux, it was like, you know, I started learning the syntax and it was just, it was a learning, it was really a learning progression for me. For sure. Um, Then around the 2012 timeframe was when I shifted my focus to security. You know, I've I've worked with security individuals up until that point. Um, You know, when, when my friends in security were talking to me about backtrack, which is was formerly, you know, uh, old, Cali, school. Mm-hmm. old school. And I'm just like listening to him. Tell me what backtrack is doing and what he can do. And um, he was like, yo, you want to steal your, your neighbor's Wi-Fi? I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> but it was like, it's, you know, it gets you thinking. It's like, it's different. It's different. And um, it was more than technology for me. It was, it was layers to it. It was the technology. It was the social aspect. It was the, um, it was the enigma of, security and um the illusion of things it was just it was all new to me although i was about, I to, say, I was about to say the illusion of security i think is what really gets people going to the illusion of security and just yeah, not knowing how things are done it's like you're an illusionist like i want to know more i want to know how you did that trick mm-hmm. so um i think that was just the most captivating for me um to be able to peel back those layers and see how these tricks are done um so lucky enough, I was good friends with someone in security at the time who left the company I was with to go basically start up a security department at a small bank here in Delaware. And he knew I was interested. He said, look, do you want to come with me and I'll bring you in? Um, and I knew at that time, if I tried to get into secure security, it was it would be um, a harder task for me than to be able to help, you know, have him help me get in. So. He brought me in, you know, I was a level one security analyst. Um, this was 2012 and I was, I was hooked almost day one. Um, I think day two, they said, do you want to go do some training? I said, yeah, I'll go do some training. They were going to send me down to hacker halted in Atlanta. Nice, nice. And uh, I was like, yo, what am I getting into? I'm looking, I'm scrolling through the website. I was like, these dudes with hoodies on. And I was like, this looks cool. And uh, it was called Angels and Demons. Angels and Demons was a theme that year. I was like, this shit looks cool. So I picked out um, a boot camp down there. And the boot camp was like, you know, intro to cybersecurity. Something like super high level. I was like, all right, I can do this. And like a week before Hacker Halted uh, started, they called me and said, look, that that class got scratched. You got to pick something else. I was like, all right, well tell, well, tell me what else I can pick. And there was like, advanced forensics or the ceh <laughs> i'm like oh, you went for the ceh okay. didn't you i went for ceh i went for ceh <laughs> um and i think it was ceh virgin eight wow um 
Yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was like version eight. And um, so I went down there and it just opened the floodgates. And I'm just hearing terms I've never heard before. They're like speaking <laughs> foreign languages and writing hieroglyphics on the on the board. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. But I learned enough during that time that and I fell short on the exam. I fell short on the exam, but not by much. Um, but I came back home. I knew what I had to work on. Um, I put my mind to it and I got it maybe a, a month later. Um, so. It, it, I think it was a good thing that that happened because then again, it, it started opening my mind a little bit more. Um, but yeah, been, been hooked ever since. And it just, you know, the, the, the train hasn't stopped. It keeps on rolling. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah. That's yeah, my I think, story. Man. <clears throat> I think, I think a lot of us start off in support of some sort. Um, my very first job was actually with Jason street. We, we worked in the same location, the same office, same floor. We didn't know each other, but we worked for a software support company. And I think my support career lasted all of about three weeks, maybe. Um, when they finally realized that uh, when I had to put people on hold and throw my headset down and cuss people out, that it probably wasn't meant for me. Um, <laughs> so they put me into beta testing, which I thought was really cool. But the, the support world, I don't think you can legitimately be called a security professional unless you've had to endure at least a year of that nonsense bullshit that people deal with as support to me that's hell like yeah i don't know how i got through that but the, when i get the call and an older gentleman bless his heart got a computer for christmas and he's got the drink tray open and the pedal on the floor i about lost my shit and that was it for me i was like i'm done <laughs> either i'm quitting or you gotta find me something else um but yeah, it's really interesting. The, the CEH, you know, I think I was, I was version one of the CEH. I was one of the very first classes. Jeez, wow. um, I was really disenfranchised <laughs> with that, though, um, because when I went in, I, I took the class just because my boss at Verizon, Jim McConnell, a lot of you guys have seen him on the podcast, great dude, decided to pay for it, said, hey, do you want this? And I was like, sure, I'll take it. Um, but when I got into the classroom and they were messing with Donald Dick, which is a hacking tool from way too long ago. Uh, that and the Unabomber, the mail bomber, I thought, you know, this is probably not the right server. Um, because of the fact that it was just, it was so old school. It was so click, you know, point and click. Yeah. And to me, the whole course seemed like clickbait. Yeah, but yeah. From, from that point on, they've gotten a lot better. Of course, they've had their issues over the past, but, <clears throat> you know, who doesn't? Well, EC Council's had, had issues, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah big issues. Um, but hopefully they'll pull through that, you know, hopefully, you know, they'll get back on track. Um, because the DOD requires a lot of people to have that CEH in order to be a DOD contractor, which blows my mind, but you know, whatever. Um, so yeah. So tell me what it's like for you as a podcast host doing, because you've had some really cool people on there. You've had Gummo on there. You've got a couple of people, HD Moore. um, Funny stories about HD back in uh, Austin, uh, hackers in Austin. Um, anyways, different story. So tell me what it's like for you as a podcaster, kind of kind of what you look for in guests and just kind of like the behind the scenes, man, what goes into it. Because I don't think a lot of people know how much time and effort actually goes into what we do to, to provide content. It's insane. It's, it's truly insane. And when I got into it, um, I didn't have someone telling me that it's insane. I had to learn that on my own. <laughs> so um, but what helped me was my practitioner background and coming up through security, um, being able to speak that lingo, being able to, you know, understand the pain points that my guests are talking about and solving for, um, knowing a little bit of hacker history in terms of some of the folks that I knew coming in, I wanted to talk to. Um, so I wasn't scouring forums trying to find guests like it was right. almost when I reach out, you know, um, you know, you could you could check my stats as far as a practitioner and they knew that, you right. know, I, I've been through the trenches. I've been on the front line. So I think that helped a little bit. You know, if I got into podcasting and I was, um, you know, doing a horror podcast or something like that, it might be a little bit different. And, right, right. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, coming into it, I, I started my podcast not long ago. I mean, it was during the pandemic 
Yeah. Um, I think it was right around April 2020 um, where I decided, all right, let's let's do it. I've had the idea for years, but I think that pandemic and as disastered as it is, disastrous as it is, it, it, it allowed me to be able to start this. And I don't think I, I would have started it without having that time and then also having the time that my guests were dedicating to me. Right. A lot of my guests right up front were, you know, speaking at conferences, speaking at forums, you know, and I thought to myself, you know, let's help get that word out and have them on the show. So right off the bat, man, it was really good. Um, and uh, yeah, it kept going. And, and what I've found is that everybody that I speak to, um, 99% are, are willing to come on and share their ideas and, and, I'm sure you feel the same way. It's it's this industry is is so um, helpful with trying to educate others and share their stories. And I don't know of another industry like that as well. So I took advantage of that too. You know, this is this 100%. is. Uh, and and I like to be educated. Mm -hmm. They like to educate, and people like to be educated. So it's a win win win. Um, you know, and and that's why I do it. I have yeah, a for question. Sure. Where did you sure. get the barcode um, idea and the concept of Tony? Oh, man. <laughs> well, the barcode concept stems back maybe five, six years ago. I was going to do a, I was going to do a podcast called um, I think it was going to be called Triple Threat. And it was me and two other guys that I worked with. And we were just going to talk about um, like data breaches and drinking. Nice. And <laughs> this was pre-pandemic. So it was hard to get everybody together because we wanted to do like an on-site podcast and it didn't mm -hmm. work. So when this idea came up, I was like, man, I want to stick with this theme. And going back to the whole concept, the concept spawned from the lack of in interaction during the pandemic. So we weren't able to get the black hat. We weren't able to get the DEF CON. We weren't able to get to B-sides and do these um, happy hours after the conference talks. And, you know, from my experience, a lot of the great ideas are born out of those happy hours and those, those talks at the bar because people feel laid back. They feel um, mm -hmm. non-pressured. So I was like, well, if I can transplant that into audio and, and do it that way, um, then that's what I'm going for. And it took me a lot of time to ramp up. Um, but yeah, I think I got there. Tony was brought in because I know I needed someone to make drinks. And <laughs> I didn't want to make drinks and talk. <laughs> and um, Tony, if you don't know, he's not a real bartender. So it took him some time to like get up to the terminology too. He, um, yeah, he works at a liquor store. So it's close, but not, not, not a real bartender. Nice. Um, nice. But yeah, that's the uh, that's how the concept goes. And we're just trying to trying to keep pushing it, trying to keep innovating. Um, and Mike, you know, it's it's, uh, you know, creating content consistently like you do um, at a very high level. It, it takes a lot of time. Like you said, it's it's more time than a lot of people realize. Yeah, I, th I think it's a time. And not only that, but, you know, for someone with neuro neurodiversity, it's a little bit more difficult to like really put on that social face and really like jump in there. Um, and I think that that drains me a lot. Um, but I enjoy it because like you said, every guest that I have, I learn something from. And I'm big about learning from different people and, and different situations. But I think that, you know, having guests on that have cool backgrounds and have something to share, I learn so much from them. And I feel like, you know, being able to give them a voice is really important. Like that, that to me is the key to my success is putting somebody else's voice out there. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And you have, you have guests that you see constantly on rotation in other podcasts. Mm -hmm. My vision is to get people on my show that should be in a routine of podcasts, but that yes. aren't, you know, yes. you need to give them a voice and then, and hopefully from there, you know, as a podcaster, there's, there's, um, there's no better feeling than see that, that person, you know, go on another show the next month and continue their success. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's yeah, that's that's yeah. Yeah. And then meet, meeting the, the people with the, the really cool stories, too. So when we first 
cranked up uh, the Haunted Hacker, which is going on two years. It'll be two years in October. Um, we had guys from my past that were on the show, uh, from my not so, well, my colorful past, um, which was really interesting because a lot of them didn't get along. And we ended up getting, there were fights, there, there were arguments, there was threats. I mean, it, when you deal with that, that type of person, that type of group and, and, and that you know, sense of situation, it, it never fails. There's always somebody who gets pissed off. I think at one point I had Sebastian Dante Alexander on my show and um, him and another guy went at it over who the real, you know, Sebastian Dante Alexander was, you know, who he is. And it just, you know, as a podcaster, you sit back and go, what the fuck? You know, <laughs> you guys sort yeah. that out. All I do is do the interviews. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's crazy that that kind of drama comes up. Um, but I got yeah, a question for you real quick. Sure. As you're, as you're doing these interviews. So for me, um, insecurity and, and you as well, when you're doing interviews, mm-hmm. um, do you find it hard to hold back? I do. With, with, you know what I mean? With, with your opinions, with, with going on a long explanation, because an, as an architect, you know, I like to dive deep. Right. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, there are times when, when we're talking about a topic that I really have a lot of passion for which is basically anything anti-government. But um, if we talk about something, (laughs) if we talk about something that involves politics or geopolitics or the global threat scape or whatever, then I get really animated. UFOs. UFOs. (laughs) I get really intense because those are things that people don't listen to. You know, they're, they're things that people don't think about and everyday people, it just doesn't cross their mind. And that's the type of shit that, I, I want to say it loud enough to where people wake the fuck up and hear the message. Yeah. Even if it's just a piece of it, you know, maybe they'll listen to it and open their eyes and go, fuck, maybe there is more going on behind the curtain, this veil that, you know, that we see of a government. Maybe there's more shit going on that we don't know about. Yeah. And that's kind of what I want to get after working in intelligence for so long and having guests that have worked in intelligence. We all have the same story. You know, there's more shit that goes on. And if you knew your brain was going um, but I, those are the things I try to push. Uh, and you're passionate about that. So when you're on that, that topic, you're like you're sweating. Yeah. But like you, you can't go, you can't go, you know, down yeah, yeah. this path of, of talking about it. But yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. I, I don't want to do diatribes, you know, but, and I try yeah. to avoid that. There are times when I break off into a diatribe, and apologize later for it. But, you know, hey, <laughs> it's life, you know, and you still got to get one, your point across. Yeah. Fuck yeah. And one thing that, that I really appreciate appreciate about the podcast is it's very genuine it's very raw and i just want people in their rawest form you know like if someone's pissed off about something i want to hear about it you know and don't worry about getting angry because i'll probably get angry right with you you know this is the type of shit that people need to hear about um so yeah like podcasting is definitely i think the pandemic really spun up a shit ton of podcasts like that's when i started mine i started ours and it just it got when i looked outside of what we were doing and seeing all the various podcasts that were coming up. Some were fantastic. Some were maybe an excuse to have a social hour or whatever. Um, but in general, it really gave us a platform. And the pandemic, if, if it wasn't for the pandemic, I probably wouldn't have a podcast. So, I, yeah. you know, pandemic was a positive thing for me, even though I caught COVID like six times. Did you really? Yeah. I, I'm lucky. I haven't caught it yet. I haven't yeah. caught it yet. Um but I'm going to Black Hat DEFCON again, so we'll see what happens. I may yeah, or may think, not make it out there. I okay. think I caught it in April, and I, like I've been boosted and everything, and like everything's fine. But you know, all the masks came off, and next thing yeah. you know, I'm like, oh, my allergies are real bad, and everybody's like, no, nope, you got it. Like, and I was like, yeah, okay. and I, I gonna, died for like two weeks. So I'm gonna go off on one of those tangents just for for a brief second. <laughs> Talk about the pandemic. <laughs> Did you guys okay. know that Pfizer just came out with a new vaccination and the advertisement and the supporting data behind it, the new, the new vac- vaccination is, oh, the other one doesn't work anymore. It was meant for the very first strain. So here, no, I, I did not hear that yet. I almost <laughs> died. I almost died from the vaccination. And now they're telling me, oh, we have another great version of it coming out that you'll have to get for Omicron. I'm like, Nah, fuck y'all, man. I'm That's done. just gonna push you over the ledge. Yeah. Right. I'm done, man. Yeah. So yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. But that's. Yeah, I mean, hard. it's hard. But- like, I mean, for me, I, I ended up it went into my lungs and I had asthma. So like, 
of course, when I hear something about like going into my lungs, like, of course that scares me. And like, apparently it was a little bit worse for me, but like, you know, I've, I've been vaccinated, but again, I don't know, maybe it wasn't that bad if even without it, because, you know, like, and we've talked about this before, it's like the flu now, right? Like at this point, you know, people are today who knows what it's going to be tomorrow because, and it it depends on who (laughs) is affecting too. It's like, there is no, there is no blueprint on how to handle it. You don't know how it's going to affect you. Um, And again, I haven't had it yet, so I don't know, but from the, those that I've seen have it, um, you know, it's varying degrees of pain and suffering and hell. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. Yeah. And I think that's another one of those things that, you know, the government doesn't know enough about the virus to really be hundred percent effective. So instead of looking bad, like they don't know hundred percent, they act like they know hundred percent and just fuck everybody. So <laughs> I have a pet peeve <laughs> about that. So along with podcasting, I see that you're on the InfraGuard uh, board, which is really fucking cool. Um, also some of the other stuff you've done, t- tell me about the beginnings of, really blowing up in cyber. I know that everybody hits that that one moment in time where the doors seem to, instead of having to pull it open, it seems to be an automatic door and we walk right in. And I feel like a lot of us who have gotten to a certain point in our career or to a certain level of, I guess, I, I guess being occasionally around people and people knowing who you are, what was that point that brought you from, hey, I want to be in cybersecurity to, I'm fucking here and I'm here to stay and this is me. So what was that point for you? Yeah, that's, um, that's a good question. I would say maybe just a year or two after I got into it. Um, I think it was the timing when I got into it. I think a year after I got into it is when, um, is when ransomware really hit like ransomware hit. Um, Silk Road hit, Deep Web hit, Bitcoin hit. Um, so I was always interested in it, but I think like within the year that I got into it, things were taking off and it just really captivated me on what was happening. Um, and it didn't feel like a job anymore. I think that was the threshold that I crossed where I would come home from work and read forums on security. And be truly interested in it. And even to this day, um, I mean, Mike, you and, and, and Kim know that I'm on, I'm on LinkedIn reading articles. I'm reposting, you know, three, four, 5 AM. And it's just, um, it's just one of those, uh, aspects that, you know, I feel like it's, it's no longer a job. And I think once you get there, then you've really made it. Yeah, I, I totally agree. You know, I, I tell everybody, it's really weird for me when I meet somebody new and they're like, oh, hey, I love the podcast. And I'm like, wait a minute, you listen to it? Like, you really sit down and listen to that shit. And people <laughs> are like, yeah. And I think that still shocks me that people are actually want to hear what what I have to say. Do you still have that that same? I, I do. You know, I, call, I call it imposter syndrome, just like any anybody else who's a public speaker. I think podcasts, you have that that same imposter syndrome where how did this happen to me type deal yeah yeah i do too um and the way that i circumvent that is just being able to discuss things that interest me and i almost i almost put everything else to the side so like me and you have a conversation it's about what i'm passionate about it's about what you're passionate about and the outcome of that someone is benefiting from mm-hmm. and um it's almost I, I have to have that mindset because if it comes to a point where it's not that, I don't think that you should be doing it. Right. Yeah. Another thing too is uh, Jason Street told me one time before I spoke over in uh, England, um, you know, I get nervous before every podcast, before every public talk I give, no matter where it's at. And Jason gave me some really vital information. Uh, at one point I was texting him on the bus on the Metro in Houston. And I was like, Hey, you know, I'm super nervous about this. What are your tips? And should I be this nervous? And he was like, the second that you stop being nervous before you talk, speak publicly, they need to stop speaking because at that point it's no longer passionate for you. The reason why that you get so nervous is because you care so much about it. Um, And I think it's really important to, to be able to recognize when that is, you know, and for me, like 
I think this past year has been up and down, right? And I was still trying to rebuild myself and try to get my shit back together. Um, but there came a point where the podcast, like there were times when I just wanted to hang it up, you know, that, that I just get frustrated. Things weren't going the way I wanted to go. It wasn't enjoyable to the point where, you know, I felt like I need to do it. Um, and at that point I had to take some time off because I was like, there's something wrong here and I'm not really sure what it is. Something's off. Uh, and then I realized once I took myself out of the picture of other places and just focused on what I enjoy doing and saying, fuck the rest of it, that's what really helped. Um, and I think that it came with a cost. You know, I, I ended up walking away from some chat servers for a while and, and just focusing on where I wanted to go, what I wanted to do. Not so much where the group wanted, wanted things to go, but fuck, I started this, you know, where do I want it to go? Yeah, you know? Yeah. So, and it's not necessarily you're don't, going down the wrong path. Right. You don't want to go down the right path mm, for at, the wrong reason. Such a fast speed and get burned out either. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, there's nothing wrong with taking that step aside, taking time off, um, and coming back. You know? Yeah, well, I'm I sure. call it there's there, you're either pivoting or you're just stepping back and going, okay, like you can pivot and keep going, or you can pivot and say, I'm not going to go that way because that's not my goal. Is that's not my goal. Yeah. Like, so yeah, I mean, I, I pivot all the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, like you get in this, in this mind frame that you got to keep going, keep going, keep pushing oh, content, keep pushing yeah. content. And, um, you know, a lot of times like you keep pushing content, but you could be missing something and right. you could be missing that next innovation that, that may take you some time to realize. And so, you know, there's totally. nothing wrong with that. I've done it. Absolutely. Yeah. And that was one of the things that, that I really had to learn for myself is you can't push yourself to create content. Like it has to come from a natural place. It cannot be something that's forced because it shows in what you do. And I realized that when I look back at some of my interviews, I was like, that was a pretty shitty interview. But then I realized <laughs> it was pre- during a period of time where I just didn't want to fucking be doing it at that period of time. Yeah. But as a, as a content creator, you know, for me, the heart, the biggest battle is staying relevant, right? It, in the early days, I didn't want to miss a podcast. I, did, I didn't want to go a week without a podcast because I felt like if I did, I would lose that traction. I would lose that relevancy and I would lose those listeners. And I'd be right back to square one. And I, I felt like people expected me to do a certain thing. You, did you ever go through a period of time like that? I did. I, I forced, you know, weekly podcasts up front because I felt like, in this industry, that's the cadence that I had to follow. I felt like if I did any longer, you know, beyond that, um, we would be talking about a breach and I didn't want to put that out months later. And you know how, how aggressive our industry is with, with the timeline. So, um, you know, I still, I still do that. You know, a lot of times I'll put content out when I can put it out and that's really what it comes down to. You know, I, um, I still have full-time work. I have three kids, so it's really difficult for me to put out an episode, um, you know, faster than that. Yeah. I would love to, and I try my best to do that. Um, but sometimes it is, every, it, you know, it is once every two weeks, but I want to, you know, I focus on quality too. Like yeah. I, I want to be able to deliver quality and I'm not going to rush that. So. Yeah. And I think that's where I like, I love like supporting Mike and the haunted hacker because like, um, for me, I've thought about it doing it multiple times and I just, I, I just, I can't, I don't want to, like, there's too many great people. I'd rather support people in a lot of ways, you know, like that's, I, I feel like I'm a connector and, but I also feel like if I did it, I would be so intense. It would just drive me insane. Like I'd want to get it out weekly and then I wouldn't be happy with it. And then I would probably go into some mad depression and probably like, <laughs> it would be bad. Like, it's addictive. So I, it's addictive. It is. It and is. yeah, it, I don't want to like do that to like, I'm like, nah, like I'll just like help everybody else. <laughs> like, it, I'm not saying with- I won't ever do it, but like, I mean, I don't know. I'd rather just hire somebody in social media, like do stuff for me. Like, <laughs> I mean, along with podcasting, like speaking conferences, you know, on top of, on top of everything else, it's like, you know, you never want to tell anybody no, because you don't want to be that person that doesn't get asked back. And so, I mean, there's so many like pressures we put on ourselves as content creators. that I think that a lot of people are completely oblivious to. And 
I think, I mean, it's really cool that we can talk about this. And hopefully somebody else listen to it and go, well, you know, I'm going for that podcast or fuck yeah, no, let yeah. those guys do it. You know, just and I so think you have- and I are like, we're not, it's not podcaster against podcaster. Like I'm right. not, I'm no, not no. in that game at all to be no, competing no. with other podcasters. So I, I think this is a great conversation to show yeah. the people that are thinking about that. You know, we're supportive. We're supportive yeah. of you. A hundred percent. I think a, a new thing that's happening though is like all the kids now, like everybody wants to be a YouTube content creator. Like mm-hmm. not everybody. Well, I mean, Hey, it's great, but like, you also can't like, not everybody's going to be there. It's kind of like a basketball team or a football. Like there's a lot of people on a football team. Not everybody is the quarterback. So like not everybody's <laughs> yeah. going to get that paycheck. They think they're going to make off of it. It doesn't mean don't try but have realistic expectations. Like don't, you know, like people are, you know, we, we talk about how like this industry, like social media and all this is bad for kids and their mental health right now, you know? And yeah. like, we can't, we can't, we're, t- we're trying to push them in. They want to be content creators. If they don't make it, like, what are we doing to these kids? Like, And then that's you know? why avoiding that burnout is so right. crucial. Yeah. Like, you have to be persistent, but you also have to know your limitation. Like yeah, don't get burned out you know, keep trying, you're going to keep improving over time. And, you know, as, as Mike knows as well, when you first start, it's like, you know, is this going to take <laughs> off? Is it going to take off to my expectation? Yeah. But then it gets back to doing what you love and being passionate. So if those YouTube creators yeah. are doing something that they enjoy doing, keep doing it, keep yeah. doing it. Mm-hmm. 100%. If it keeps you off the streets and keeps you out of trouble, I can do it. Yeah. Um, I remember when I made a thousand subscribers to YouTube, it was just like a couple months ago. I think so maybe four months ago. But anyways, it was the coolest feeling. I was like, oh shit, I, I have a thousand people who actually listen to my shit. And then I looked at the Spotify results and was like, oh, wait a minute. I'm in 50 fucking countries. That's really odd. Like, what do people listen to? Like, how does that come off to them? Um, but yeah, I think a lot of it is just providing the content. And then the reactions I get from people are still shocking. You know, when people appreciate what you do. Because I didn't do this for everybody else in the beginning, I did this for me. I did this to, to give back my own way and kind of sort through some shit that I was going through. And it went from that discussion to a full blown podcast. And those early days, like you said, man, those early days were crazy, bro. (laughs) I'm talking like copious amounts of of liquor and maybe people, (laughs) maybe people would disappear from the podcast, mid podcast and and pass out. But yeah, it, it was crazy. It's crazy. But it's good I shit. Think, I think what you said, yeah, is the, is the key to longevity, though. I think doing it for yourself, yeah. doing it, you know, for your love, whether you have zero lesson, listeners or a million listeners, mm-hmm. um, you know, would that stop you tomorrow? You know, tomorrow, if things change, would that stop you? And, um, you know, I, I, I like to think of it voice, that way. Chris. What's yeah. that? <laughs> I don't have your radio voice. <laughs> Chris, Chris definitely has a voice for podcasts for sure. Yeah. I have a face for podcasts. That too. And a voice. And a voice. <laughs> and a voice. Yeah, I tend to hide mine most of the time. So. But yeah, well, that's why I, I do mean, audio only, Mike. Really? So you just audio. No, never just video. audio. So never. I, I have done some um, LinkedIn live events. Mm-hmm. Uh, LinkedIn live based interviews and I do live shows now too, which is streamed over LinkedIn. So, you know, those I have to do with video, but my, my standard release for my podcast is audio. Yeah. See, I, I was thinking about that from the beginning. I started off with just video, video and audio on YouTube. And then when I found PodServe and realized that I could have it across all the streaming platforms, I'd already started the video piece of it. And I was like, wait a minute, maybe I should switch back to just audio. And then Tech Strong picked up the video and I was like, well, fuck that. (laughs) (laughs) I just couldn't I just couldn't get down with the editing, like with with my concept, it would it would be an insane amount of time to to edit video. Like I struggle with the audio piece, (laughs) Um, but every now and then I I still do audio or I still do video. Um, You know, if this ever you know, I was ever able to parlay this into full time. You know, I get more into video. Um, I'm doing a documentary right now, which is which is video, but it's taking way longer than what I wanted to. Are, um, is, are you doing it yourself or, or somebody else? Yeah. Oh, cool. What are you doing? Well, uh, I'm doing it on the intersection of AI and cyber Badass. And, and the future of AI and cyber. So um, 
but yeah, it's 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 coming along. It's just like I said, not I just don't have the the time to to put into it as, as I want, but it's it'll get there. Yeah. I mean, there's never enough hours in a day. I mean, all the stuff that, that I do, I wish I could add another five hours to the 24 that we already have. Yeah, uh, just so I can get more shit done. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so what do you do to balance yourself outside of, of work and podcast and, and all the good shit? What do you do for Chris to keep that that balance? That's a small window. <laughs> that's a that's a very small window. Right. Um, so I have I have three kids. Um let's see, 23, 14, and five. 23, bro. 23. Yeah. 23. You're like 23. No, no. How's that possible? No, I'm far beyond 23. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, my my youngest is five. Uh, you know, he keeps me young. Um and uh, on your toes, <laughs> on my toes. So, yeah, that's pretty much where my 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 time is dedicated to. You know, outside of that, you know, sleep two Are or three you, hours a night, and I'm good to go. Are you teaching the five year old stuff already? What's that? Are you teaching the five year old stuff already? Like getting him into different stuff? Like, soon. Yeah. Soon. Yeah. Like, very. My nephew soon. just turned eight, and like he's all into tablets and gaming. Okay. What he thinks is gaming and he watches content creators, even though he doesn't play the games like Roblox. I mean, he plays Roblox, but oh yeah, you know, it's interesting. But I'm trying to like slowly, like I just yeah. got the backdoors and breaches, he won't be able to play it. But I want to like start showing him those things. Oh, and, that's like, the, the black hills. In. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, like and that's yeah, awesome. like I have like their little magazine or whatever. So like I get it and like I'm gonna show him and just like just kind of get him because like part of it is I talked to his mom about like, Hey, like, what are you doing for that? And she, she is good. Like about, you know, locking some stuff up, but she complains about how hard it is, but she goes, I know it's supposed to be that hard, but God, you know, <laughs> uh, but at least she's doing that. And a lot of parents don't, but yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, this is where they're going at five and eight. Like yeah. you well, my know, son, I've, my, my five-year-old will watch, he'll watch content creators, YouTubers. Yep. Um, and I think that's just taken over TV. Like that is oh, TV. Yeah. yeah it's yeah, become no, TV. Like... Yeah, for sure. So Kurt Swizdak, he was one of the guests on the show uh, last year. Good friend of mine. He was actually on Mr. Beast an episode of Mr. Beast on YouTube. Oh, wow. I was shocked. I was like, wait a minute. Mr. That's Beast what... is like the number one YouTuber. Yes. Yes. So Kurt, Kurt's former FBI. Oops. Almost dropped my cat. Darn lucky. <laughs> yeah, Kurt Kurt is former FBI and um they had him on uh Mr. Beast and Mr. Beast was being chased by Kurt, which is pretty cool. And at the end, you know, Kurt caught him and got like a ton of cash. But I mean, yeah, Kurt said that it, it's legit, like the production and all this stuff is really cool. Um, I had no idea who Mr. Beast was until I talked to one of the kids and I was like, What? Who? Yeah. yeah. But Rogan they had stuff. him on his podcast. Oh, so really? I learned about him through Rogan. Nice. And um, and I, then I'm looking him up. I was like, is this really the number one YouTuber? And I looked him up and, and he sure legit is. I mean, yeah. yeah, big time. So, you know, looking back at your guests, I know this is going to be a shitty question. And I know it's going to be <laughs> pointed right back at me. But who who was your favorite guest? Which story was like the most interesting or the most interesting episode of your podcast that, that you remember today? I'll give you the one top of mind. How's okay. that? Is that cool. fair? That's fair. That's fair. So the I one top of question. mind. No, no, no. The one top of mind is um, Joe Grand. So Joe Grand was on my show maybe a year ago. Um, and he goes by the name Kingpin. He's a hardware hacker and he helped start. Uh oh. Uh oh. We, we lost, lost you for a second. second. Kingpin just took you down. We can't your, hear you. Your audio is muted. Oh, can you hear me now? Yeah. Oh, we can there hear you. you go. Oh, that was weird. Yeah. Yeah. You um, froze right as you said. Kingpin. Oh, yeah, yeah. So he goes by Kingpin. He's he helped find he helped found Loft Heavy Industries um, nice, nice. back in the 80s. So he's like super 
um, into hardware hacking and a super cool dude, man. Like, um, super great personality. And we just got to talking about hardware hacking. And at the end of the interview, he was like, man, I got to fly out to LA tomorrow. I'm filming this, this, uh, I can't talk about it, but I'm filming this show and it's going to be big. It's going to be big. Just keep keeping, you know, keep, you know, bookmark my YouTube. It's going to come out. And, um, about six months later, he sent me a link and it was a trailer for a show that he's doing where he's hacking Bitcoin wallets. Nice. And he hacked his Bitcoin wallet that had like, I don't remember how much money in it, but like a million dollars in this Bitcoin wallet. Wow. Um, and he hacked it and he got it. And then the reason this is top of mind for me was because last week yep. he did it again. And I think I posted it on YouTube. So if you haven't checked it out, check it out. This this Kingpin is an absolute beast. And this guy, he came in, he was like, I got $6 million in Bitcoin on the Samsung Galaxy 3. He was like, I bought it in 2014 or whatever. Um, I, can't, I, I don't remember my swipe pattern to get back into the phone. Hmm. So basically, you know, I won't go through the whole story, but Joe Grant goes in and, and he basically hacks the Samsung S3, um, gets retrieves the swipe pattern from the file system and um i'll let you watch it to see if he recovers his six billion but that's he's still that's doing it man he's still doing it and again awesome. just a great awesome dude and he's gonna come back i told him cool. i pinged him after i watched it. i was like you gotta come back now and we gotta <laughs> talk about this because that's what he does now he he hacks bitcoin wallets for um He's trying to get more because it's not a common <laughs> it's not a common issue that you run into, but right. he's trying to get more into Bitcoin uh, wallet hacking. So anybody out there, well, that, that if you only have one, if you take a percentage, one percent off is six million, you know, like that's that's all right. Payday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a payday. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And people are willing to pay that because yeah. if, if and it's I think it's more common than not. I just don't think a lot of people realize that they have it. Um, yeah, people that may have invested it, you know, long ago, but yeah, episode 30 Kingpin, check it out. Um, definitely gonna check that out for sure. I do a lot of mobile hacking, so I, I love anything that has you? to do with mobile phones or any apps on mobile phones. Like, that's that's my bread and butter. I really, really enjoy it. I think my most interesting um guest and the most entertaining that I've had, um, they've all been really great, really entertaining, but Captain Zap, Ian Murphy, by far. The okay. captain was probably the most epic couple episodes I've done. That that man, I mean, his stories and his life in general just fascinates me. And there's nothing better than the old grandpa who's you know crazier than a loon, but fun as hell. And that that's <laughs> yeah. that's that's Ian Murphy. Um, yeah. He's not doing too good health wise, but uh, he's he's a great dude. Um, I think the st- the underlying story. Yeah with everyone you talk to is key. Like I, everybody, you know, has their, their unique path coming through. Um, but just being able to, to extract that from people um, and getting to know them as a person. Yeah. That's important for me to, to put through to the yeah. audience. I always tell people like one of the, one of the parts of podcasting I really enjoy is making new friends because some of these people I may not run into you know, or I may not cross paths with, but the conversations we have, it's like we've known each other forever because yeah. it's just, it's a really cool conversation yeah. and they know it's going towards a good cause and, you know, giving back is really important. But on top of all that, I think as podcasters, we're leaving a historical documentation, video and audio of what shit was like for us, right? Cybersecurity is fairly new. If you look back at the, the medical industry, right, or even medical care, uh, and you look back at some of the the old stories about when medicine was first starting out and surgeons were using cocaine on people to numb certain spots or numb them. And there's that little bit of documentation books and stuff, but think about what's going to be like for us, like a hundred years when cybersecurity evolves into something else and people look back and go, Oh shit, we have hours upon hours of podcasts of these people that build all this shit. Yeah. I mean, to me, to me, I think it's invaluable. You're, you're, you're helping build that archive. Yeah. 
but think about what we've been through. And like, I, I thought about before my grandmother passed, like she was 90 something. I mean, in 90 years, how technology has changed. I mean, like we used to have years. to like, dial phones on a wall with a cord and like kids these days are like, what the hell? Like, how is this possible? Like <laughs> that they don't understand. I mean, that's how rapidly it's changed. And so, I mean, it's, it mm -hmm. is, it's going to be pretty freaking amazing to see what, you know, the next hundred years, like. Well, we not, e not even a hundred, <laughs> like, look at, look at, how fast technology has moved. And I don't want to sound like conspiracy theorist, but if you look back at Roswell, right, in Area 51, and the crash that happened in Roswell, New Mexico, the amount of technology that the US military and government have developed just in a short period of time, we're talking 40 years. We're not even mm -hmm. talking like 100 years or you know, 200 years. We're talking about a very short window. And we advanced that far. Imagine what's going to be like in 90 years. Like mm -hmm. that just blows my mind. You know, as a kid, Atari was to me, that was like a huge, you know, advancement technology. Like I could sit yeah. and play shit on my TV and now kids are doing it on their phones. Yeah. You know, it's just, yeah. it's amazing. It can't get better than this. What I think about too is like all the kids that are the digital natives playing these games on their phone. Like think about like how our brain started going, like, you know, pinging off that, like our parents didn't have. Right. So like, they didn't, they had maybe a TV or whatever. And like, as a child, like what we absorb is so intense. Right. So, I mean, what these kids will be able to come up with, like, is yeah. absolutely nuts. I mean, they're like, maybe they're already, we'll start using like 15, 20% of their brain. <laughs> they're already out of control though. The kids are already way out of fucking control. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and part of me really hates it because I hate seeing kids suffer like that. But part of me is, is almost glad because I get to mentor those kids and I get to help those kids. Um, because if, if they were left to their own devices and instruction at school and parents, we would have a world full of cyber criminals in like 40 years. Yeah. Um, yeah but the, the good thing is they're getting identified quick and, you know, they're being handed off for mentoring and stuff like that, which I think is really cool. I've had a great time with Dan Kelly. Um, you should have Dan Kelly on your show. He was the one who did Talk Talk. Um, uh, I talked to him. Oh, you did? I, I talked to him. Yeah, Dan Kelly. Yep. Good dude. Good yep, yep. dude. Okay. Um, he's he's really timid when it comes to uh, doing a podcast. He's really yeah. hesitant about it. But I keep encouraging him. You know, you've got a great story, and you know, you're doing great things, and people need to know that you've made that change. You know, I think that's really important for you know the kids that I work with is to to come out and show, hey, look, I'm not that same person. Yeah. Give me a fucking job. Yeah. But our industry is our industry is yeah. so infamous at wanting to have that mystique and that hacker and the hoodie to take to all the potential clients. But then when it boils down to it, and it's time to hire somebody like that. They're like, ah, oh, you know, wait a minute. You know, we have some problems with that. So I'm trying to help change that. And I think it's important. Um, so, yeah, like besides besides podcasts, besides work, you know, what are your other passions besides your kids and your family and your work? Is there anything that makes Chris take a minute and, and go enjoy something by himself? Or what is it that keeps you in the game? Oh man. Like I said, man, it's a small window. Um, Am I the I only really, one that works 24 hours a day? No, no, <laughs> definitely. I, I think I work 25 in a, a, a day. I think I've hacked time. Sweet. Um, <laughs> Sweet. I mean, anything that, that's technology, that's that's cutting edge, really um, is interesting to me. Um, I like, I have a 3D printer, you know, I 3D print time yeah. to time. Nice. Um, and yeah, man, I'm, I mean, really, that's it, man. I, I just got a Jeep Wrangler, so I'm, I'm having fun nice. with that. Um, some off-road shit. Just some off-road shit, man. We've been doing some some camping, which is cool. Um, and I think that's important to, to point out is that if you stay immersed behind a screen all day, like you, you have to get out. Like you have to get out. And I think that that's sort of my outlet is just, you know, taking a family camping, um, just getting outdoors, getting some fresh air and just to reset. You know what I mean? Even if your passion is behind a screen, you still have to reset. Yeah. Absolutely. So give, give you give your eyes a break or else you'll have to wear these trendy glasses that me and Chris are wearing. And you're not <laughs> exactly. cool unless you have these type of glasses. <laughs> so. Right. 
right. Making, it took a long making, time. Yeah. Exactly. Making old look good in 2022. <laughs> <laughs> but 3D printing, yeah. I love 3D printing, but I've got two printers, actually three, two of them are cranking away right now, but I actually started a business on accident. Um, started printing something and thought, well, let me throw it up on Etsy, see what happens. Bro, it's been nonstop order since I started. Like I paid nice. for my printers. I pay, pay for my printers probably four times in one month. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Now, are so, you selling original designs? Some of them, yeah. Okay. Awesome, but the, the highest selling one right now is uh, a Gothic Lantern that I print okay. the entire thing, the inside, the outside, the chains, the post to put on the wall. Um, yeah. I just Send love me it. the link, man. Send me the Absolutely. link. I want to check it out. Cool, I haven't printed cool. anything in a while, so um, that'll give me an excuse to start printing again. I love printing, man. It was just the idea. Like I bought it in December of last year after my boss got one. He, he talked me into it. So I've been waiting for a long time because we all know 3D printing, when it first started out, the printers back then, and this was like early 2000s when 3D printing first hit home use. But those printers were like 10 grand a piece. So it, totally not in my price range. So I thought I'll, I'll wait to get into 3, 3D printing until they're affordable. So my boss got one and he contacted me and said, hey, bro, I just got this badass 3D printer. You should see what this thing does. And I'm like, how much did it cost you? Like 10 grand? He's like, 250 bucks. I was like, yeah. oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Done. <laughs> I had to go out and get it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we. Yeah, same with had, me. I wasn't the first to get one either. Like I had, a, I had a coworker that got one and he brought in you know, this cube that he printed or whatever. I was like, Oh man, that's awesome. And right. then, um, and then I got hooked, man. I, I think I'm on my, I'm either on my second or third printer yeah. right now. What kind of printer do you have right now? I got an FL sun pro. Um, nice. it's a, it's a Delta printer. Um, nice. and I love it cause it's got the auto leveling. It's very, you know, light oh, yeah. maintenance. Um, but it's also easy to work on too. So if you have yeah. to swap out, uh, you know, print nozzle. It's not not difficult. Do the the bed leveling when they came out with the uh, BL Touch and CR Touch for for the Ender Crealities, that mm -hmm. totally changed the game. The the bed leveling used to piss me off so bad when I first got my printer because you could never get it just right. No. There'd always be one corner that was just fucked or something. Um, <laughs> it is. Kim, can you relate to this? Did you did you have a three D printer? No. No, the only one I've ever used is in the. Uh, the museum up in the science museum in Chicago and they had okay. like a little lab and uh, I went in there and I still have my little thing and like, it looks like a little alien, but whatever. <laughs> nice. So there's a new printer coming out and it's not, it's not in stores yet. A guy from MIT created, I just saw a video on it this week. It's literally a vat full of this gel. It's almost like the consistency of uh, hand sanitizer. Mm. And then the printing nozzle goes into the gel Mm -hmm. And it actually prints freeform inside the it gel. Carves it out. Yes. What, no, it doesn't carve it out. It uses the gel as sort of like a pool, and okay. then the, the filament and the nozzle are all like one scope, and it goes down into it, so it cools it on impact, right? So it binds it together, and instead of having like a printing surface surface and having to be level, yeah, no, bro, this shit is suspended. It's it's liquid. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah. MIT, a guy at MIT came out with it. I just saw the video. I don't know. It's probably way off from being on shelves. But the idea of suspension printing, I think, is yeah. fabulous because the printing surface alone on some of these printers, it's not very big. And yeah. printing space is optimum for cash. I mean, it's super expensive. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I was going to say that that would be a really good use for like, you know, when they get to get around to that, like the organs and stuff like that, that they're talking about for like hospital use and, you know, veins and stuff like that. Like that'll be super. You have to have awesome. zero error, mar uh, error of margin when you're yeah, talking right. about that. So, but yeah, I think that's, and, and you see them, um, you, you ever see the 3d printed houses? Oh yeah. Yeah. And the guns and the motorcycles, all kinds of shit. Yeah. Insane. They have full on competitions on 3d printed guns. Which I thought was just amazing. I, there's a documentary. No, I found that I knew about the guns, like because that's yeah. you know that's been a big thing for a long time. I still want like, and I this is terrible. I still want like an ice pistol from like back in the day. Oh, like the yeah. the molds or whatever. 
I just want it because it supposedly works. I'm like, I want to see one in action. Like, <laughs> how does this right thing on. work? <laughs> so we're at the end of the hour and it's gone by so fucking quick. Um, dude, it's Good. been a, it's been a pleasure having you on. It's been a real honor to have you. So thank you no, for that. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for having me on, man. And, and um, I'd love to get you on barcode at some point. We can sure, talk man. anti-government or whatever is in your lane, man. <laughs> Let's talk I'd, hacking androids. Let's do that. Let's do I'm that. I'm down. Yeah. So it's been a pleasure. And, uh, you know, if there's anything that we can do for you, let us know. Uh, and before we sign off, any last words for listeners or new people in cyber that you think is super important? Listen to Haunted Hacker and Barcode and right. you will be. <laughs> That's okay. all that matters. That's, That's all, all that matters. matters. <laughs> do it. <laughs> That's it. Right, right on. Well, I'll catch you guys later. Uh, you know, it's been Bye, great. Chris. And we'll talk to you guys next weekend. Yes, thank you guys. I appreciate it. Take care.